0: We only have one verse for our reading this morning, but we're going to read plenty of scripture. And if you turn with me to the book of Proverbs, please. Proverbs chapter eighteen. Proverbs chapter eighteen. We've been on the series Needs Must, it's a binding clause. And If you have missed one or any or all of the series, well, you can download it if you want. But this is going to be an entirely different message anyhow. So don't worry, you're not trying to catch up. We've looked at the must needs be circumcised, casting away of the flesh, must needs walk in faith then. We've looked at how the Lord must needs go to Jerusalem, he must be killed, he must rise again. And why? We've looked at He must increase, I must decrease in other weeks. I think this is week seven, if I'm right, of this series, and this is a different one. I want to, uh, I want to warn you as I bring this. This is different because it directly speaks of our conduct. As Christians, it directly speaks of our life as Christians and it directly speaks to us in a sense that where some people think that they're out on a limb with no uh, friends or whatever they feel like and this will directly speak so some this morning may find the pang of it as almost offensive to them. It's not meant to be like that because it speaks to me first and I've had to check and look my own life. I'm only going to read one verse, Proverbs 18 and verse 24. I think we could all identify with this. And I think when we read it, you'll know exactly where we're going, but stay with me. One verse, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Let's pray. Father take your own word and wing it to every heart glorify your son and teach your church equip us Lord with a freshness of who Christ is and to be conformed to be more like him and maybe be transformed by the renewing of our minds in Christ this morning. So Father have your way In the midst of your people and glorify his holy name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Cassie's got the pins right again, do you see that? (laughs) Bless her. Bless all your children. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If you and I are going to be honest this morning, one with another, and I'm going to be honest with you and honest with our own hearts, we must from the outset, starting with this man, with me, starting with myself, I have to say, this is one of the things that maybe I find that I may feel in at times also. This is going to be directed at you personally and me I believe the church of the 21st century especially has lost its selflessness and has become selfish. Uh, That the church has become full of me, myself, and I rather than looking out and reaching out to others. But before we start pointing fingers one at another or to someone else. That's who he is, she is, or they are. We must also remember it's also who you are. You know, a man that hath friends must, must needs. The word must is, remember, we are looked at it so many weeks and it means something expressing necessity or certainty. It also speaks of something that's binding. In other words, if you want to have friends, you must show yourself who you are friendly. And when you have a friend, you must show yourself that you are a good friend to them. At times we look at friends and we wonder, who are you for me and what have you done for me? And then there's also a brother in this and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And there are three main areas where the Christian is probably, I would say, hurt the most. Where the Christian is hurt the most. Uh, it tends to almost destroy their, their faith in humanity, if you want. It tends to al- almost destroy their uh, their joy in the Lord. And it, it takes off the, the rose-tinted glasses that we see people in a different light and so our eyes and our f- come off Christ and our faith would almost seem to be diminished. Because if that's the church, wow. But there are three areas the Christian is hurt the most. One, where all people were probably hurt the most, not only Christians, but speaking of Christians, one is among family. Your family can hurt you like nobody else can hurt you. Because they're your family, they're your blood, because you love them. But because also... They know you. Christ's own family, as in the, those whom he grew up around is, his area, they rejected him. And if you do not much good or not many great miracles there because of their unbelief, you know why? Is not this Joseph's son. He's only Joseph's son. And so your family can hurt you. And your family can hurt you like nobody else can hurt you. Secondly, your friends can hurt you. You put your trust in your friends and they tell you much, they're there for you and they tell you much, they love you and they tell you much, they'll always back you and they tell you much, they'll, they'll hold you up and they'll bear you up and then suddenly when you look for your friends they all seem to be gone in a crisis. Mostly. My old daddy used to say to me, son, now you mark my words, you have very, very few friends in life. Real friends, good friends, True friends, but you'll have many acquaintances. And boy, is he right. Friends hurt you because you've given them your life. You've allowed them into your heart. You've allowed them into, they're not your blood. You didn't have to. You could pick them and choose them, but you gave yourself to them. Christ was hurt by his friends. And then thirdly, the the place where Christians are hurt the most is in church. In church. I would love to be able to say, because as this goes online, it goes around the world. And as this goes online and goes on YouTube and all those iTunes and all those things that goes on and people are listening to it, I would love to be able to say this morning to those who maybe are unsaved You'll never be hurt if you come to church and you'll never go through a rough time if you come to Christ. Brothers and sisters, I will not lie because that's not true. Church is one of the places where people, Christians, are hurt the most. And why? Because you don't expect it to happen there. Because surely they all love the Lord and they should love me. Surely they should not be full of Bitterness and backstabbing and backbiting. Surely they shouldn't be uh, doing what they're doing and, and are who they are and, and being what they're being. And surely they shouldn't get on the way they're getting on about another Christian person or whatever. Listen, brothers and sisters, that is where there's muck in the house. I told you this before when I first met Alison and Stan wouldn't speak to me. Don't blame him. <laughs> I didn't hear that Stanley shout. <laughs> He didn't want a man, well, he thought it was 10. I'm actually 11 years older than my wife. Coming from Belfast with my head shaved. Two big locks down the side. If it was my daughter, I wouldn't have spoke to him either. I don't blame him. So I thought, how do I win this? I was going to say an old boy, but I'm older now than what he was when I met Allison. So I can't. How How am I going to win this man over? And I remember... He had these sheds and few cows in them, and he says, I'm going to muck these cows out. And Alison's brother point blank refused. I'm not going into that shed. So I thought, I'm going to win this man over. I'm going to go. But I didn't know what it entailed. <laughs> I'm a silly slicker. So I went to go, and they removed the cows. And as soon as I walked into the yard, it was bad enough, never mind, get into those sheds with the cows. And he had this big scraper. All the hay was put out and into the knees, this big skip. And there's these scrapers, like a U-bend, and it looked like a brush shaft on it. And you started to do this. And I was, oh. It was horrific. It's horrible. And I thought it was water, but actually it wasn't. You can guess. And everything was mixed in it—cow dung and the whole lot—and it was terrible. Hats off to all the farmers. And we mucked it out, but by the time we hosed it down and washed it out, it was fresh-smelling and it was better. And and you know the scripture says, "Well, there are no cattle or no oxen, and then the crib is clean. The crib is clean." And the thing is, if I want to try and help you this morning, not condemn you this morning, where to understand that when you come into a church, any church, and you think it's perfect, then don't join it because you might ruin it. Because there's no perfect church and there's no perfect person save Christ alone. And where there is oxen or cattle, the crib will have muck and dirt that needs mucked out and cleaned up from time to time. And individual lives will be like that. And so when we're looking at people and, listen, God's not finished with them yet and God's not finished with you yet. So there's a lot of mucking out to do at times and we fail and we fall. But when God mucks out, you're clean and you're cleansed. And it's a matter of, you know, realizing where we're going wrong. But when you come into a church, there's much Cattle, many sheep together. And so Sometimes there's a lot of mucking out to do. And you can get hurt in church. You can get hurt by the pastor. You can get hurt by your brethren and your sisters. So how do we get over this? You know, looking at this, must needs, you must show yourself friendly. So here's the three places, your fr- family, your friends, and in church. Three places you'll get hurt the most. Proverbs 17 and verse 17 says, A friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times. I mean, a real friend will love in spite of being hurt by you. A real friend. A real friend will want the best for you. Listen, a real friend may bring you constructive criticism. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Not faithful are the wounds of an enemy because they want to bring destruction to your life. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, sometimes a friend will tell us things that are hard to swallow, hard to take, and we just don't want to hear it. But yet they're being faithful, and what happens? We shoot the messenger. Because it's hurt us. So we need to go and examine it and pray about it and think about it and bring it to God and see where we are in these things. So if if you want to have friends, you must show yourself to be friendly. Listen to Matthew Henry about friends. This is Matthew Henry, the prince of the commentators, he's called. Friends must be constant to each other at all times. That is not true friendship, which is not constant. It will be so if it be sincere. Those that are fanciful or selfish in their friendship will love no longer than their humor is pleased and their interest is served. And therefore, their affections turn with the wind and change with the weather. Listen, I go on, he says, I quote, swallow friends that fly to you in summer but are gone in the winter. Such friends there is no loss of. Have you ever had any like that? Matthew Henry said that. It's the old saying even in the world, if you have money and you go into the pub, the whole pub's your friend. Isn't that right? But when you have no money, the whole pub doesn't want to know you. That's in the world. So what about the Christian walk, though? How do we sort this out uh, in the Christian lifestyle? Listen to Proverbs 19 and 6 as we go into this. Many will entreat the favor of a prince. And every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. So in the Christian world, we are still everybody's friend if we have, if we can be helpful, if we can enlarge themselves and enlarge their ministry and push them on and things. And we'll be their friends. And then when the humor dries up and when the gifts aren't as free flowing as they used to be then they're like swallow friends they fly off again for winter has come unfortunately even Solomon found this out Solomon who had all those riches and all that wisdom there's the old saying one time I heard a story of a man and his friend stopped speaking to him stopped calling for at his, at his house, stop bothering with him, and just steer out of his way. And one time he meets up with him, and he says, "Friend, he says, I haven't seen you, haven't heard from you. What is wrong? What have I done? Was I not there?" He says, "When you needed me in your hard times, yes, you were. Was I not there when you needed me in your tough times? Yes, you were. Did I not?" sit up late at night with you when you didn't know what way to turn and, and where to go and, and where you were going to next? Yes, you were. Was I not there to try and give you wise counsel? Yes, you were. Did I not bring you with me? Did I not clothe you? Did I not feed you? Did I not go and get your son out of out of the police station with you whenever he got into trouble? Did I not go and bring a word uh, uh, to, to that young man who was harassing your daughter with you? Did I not stand beside you? Was I not with you all the way? Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. He says, then why have you stopped calling? He says, because you Stop doing it. You're of no longer used to me. Because you stop doing it. Friend. If a friend is only a friend for what they can get. Then they're not your friend at all. A friend sticketh closer than a brother, and a brother that loveth of at all times, in totality now. Because, I'm going to look because we all feel at it. We're not talking about any of you or anyone in particular. We're talking in a general sense. Because we all look at it. This is a con- an entirely different sort of message this morning. But in that, we have to look at who is our friend and who is this friend that sticks closer than even your brother, even your own flesh and blood. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said in Psalm 41 and 9, Yea, or the psalmist says off Jesus prophetically. So Jesus could say Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted which did eat of my bread, hath lifted his heel against me. Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. He says, you ate my bread and you lifted your heel against me. How did Christ feel? Peter denied him the night he was being beaten. What sort of a friend is that that leaves you to be beaten like that and denies you? I don't know the man, I don't know the man, I don't know the man. The hurt of Christ. But sure, he knew all about it. Yes, he did, and he told Peter before it happened. But he was still a man. He was still a human being. And he felt the hurt of it. One denies, one betrays. And in the garden of Gethsemane, every disciple ran away and left him. Stands on his own. Then Peter, picking up the courage, follows him afar off before denying it. So Christ knows what it's like. What true friendship is. Yet in all of it, he was the best friend that they ever had. Brother, sister, take courage this morning. For whether you're hurt in family, whether you're hurt among friends, or whether you're hurt in the church, take courage. You have always a friend. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But we must show ourselves friendly. Puritan Thomas Watson says, Friendship is the marriage of affections. Friendship is the marriage of affections. In other words, true friendship is my heart and your heart. Your heart and my heart. It's constant, it's continuous, and it may be grieved, and it may get hurt, and it may be disappointed, and it may get let down, but nevertheless, the affections are married together. Let me see through it. See your brothers and sisters sitting beside you and behind you and around you. Do you know that they're only human? See your pastor that you're listening to, this man up here, just a human. But I'll tell you that no matter what happens, we must first look at ourselves before we look at others. Paul tells us as we gather around the table, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Because the faith will show love and kindness. Faith will show that we love one another. For Jesus says, by this shall men know that you're my disciples. By your miracles. Didn't say that. That you love one another. That you love one another. And you know, I'm glad I didn't say that you like one another because there's times you don't like me and I may not like you. In fact, sometimes I feel there's these like big pictures of me up in your bedroom walls. But it's not to look at us to throw javelins at. <laughs> Believe it or not, some may. the the command isn't to like each other, it's to love one another. To love one another. And love beareth no ill. Love is long-suffering. And sometimes I'm the friend that comes alongside, and I'm the one who comes with the message that pierces the heart and maybe even grieves And you're like, right, that's it. There's another darkening in the night. Can't wait to get that picture in the wall. But a friend loveth at all times. Christ says that we are known as his disciples when we love one another. Now notice this. Paul tells us, that our affections should be set on things above, not on things on the earth, in Colossians 3 and 2. So in other words, Paul says, if our affections are with Christ in heaven, if our affections are married to him, then our affections will be right one with another. James 4 and 4, he says, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God, the enemy of God. Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So in other words a friendship with Christ is having your affections married to Christ who is in heaven and not married to this world system, not married to the worldliness, not married to the things of this world, not married to the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eye or the pride of life but married to Christ with your affections and That everything you do is a consciousness that your heart is full of love pulsating for him. And if it is, then you'll have the love of Christ in you for each other. For each other. Here's a couple of things I I want you to look at. Now here's where it gets a little more... Nitty-gritty. If you're in a church setting, and you take it outside as well, but if you're in a church setting, the assembly to gather of ourselves, and you're coming in, you say, no one has spoken to me. Now, here's what I want you to hear. You ready? Have you gone and spoken to somebody else? if you come and you say I was sick and no one visited me here's the question when others were sick were you at their place visiting them no one would even lift the phone to me I had it said to me this week someone really dying been here for a long time sitting in their house And they said, no one has even phoned me. Brothers and sisters, I said, well, would you phone everybody else if you had done the same? I don't know who that is sitting on the left-hand side of the church. I sit on the right, and I don't know who that is sitting on the right-hand side of the church. I sit on the left. Swap over. Move seat. I have something to tell you. The sound's the same over there as it is there. And vice versa. And so's the view. Move seats. Go to someone you haven't talked to before and sit beside them and say, you know, I don't want to know your business. I just want to say, Hi are you? It's good to see you. Speak to them. Talk to them. So as we go any further, here's another thing. Those who are sick at the moment, we can't do anything that's past, but those who are sick at the moment, have you phoned them? Have you rapped their door? Have you written them a letter? Have you even prayed for them? See, that's... Where we get into real Christianity. That's where we get into the real stuff. The real stuff isn't just coming and singing in church, hallelujah, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance and a, an interpretation. It's have we actually put legs to our prayers? Lord. Bless Mrs. Jones down the street, she's nothing to eat. The Lord says, Well, Auntie, your cupboard and go. Lord bless me, CZQ, she's nothing to wear He says, Well take her to the shop and buy her it. Now, the Lord can do anything, but I'm nearly sure that I would be right in saying the Lord won't cause suits and jumpers and shirts and ties and shoes and, and, and things to fall out of heaven for someone to be clothed. He gives us the intelligence to make these things. He gives us the ability to give of these things. That's, that's, that's legs to your prayers. So, Matthew 25 we're just going to skip across some of this. A man that hath friends must, must show himself to be friendly. He must. I have no friends in the church. Get up and make friends then. Go and talk to them. Matthew 25 and verse... Let's just start reading for time's sake. Just let me get it here. Verse 31, please. The Lord Jesus, in this, by the way, in this chapter, has given parables of his second coming. He talks about the, 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 the ten virgins in his coming. Then he talks about, uh, as you go on down the chapter. Of him giving the talents to his servants, in other words, talents to you to trade with, to occupy till he comes. Then he brings us into this in verse 31 about our servicing to one another and to others outside of here. When the son of man cometh in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them all from another as a shepherd Divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of God, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was in sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we then hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? Or when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? When, Lord, when were you in all these things? We haven't seen you like that. Now, notice what he says. It says, And the king shall answer and say unto them fairly, I say unto you, And as much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Even those whom you hold in the lowest of standing and degree in your own eyes, which we shouldn't. Even the ones whom you think, well, that's just such and such, and you shouldn't. Here the Lord is saying, If they're in a prison or they're sick or they're hungry or they're in need. He says, when you do it to them, they may not thank you for it. They may turn it on you. They may take it from you. They may be like that friend that runs away from you. They may be swallow friends and fly away. And when it comes winter, but you've done it on to me. And great is your reward. Great is your reward, brothers and sisters. So he's telling you and I this morning. Church, he's coming soon coming again. It's time the church started to be the church. Amen. The church is not the building. The church is not bricks and mortar. The church is the living organism of the body of Christ with whom is filled with the Holy Ghost. Christ has representation on the earth. Go with me to Matthew 7, please, while we're still in Matthew's gospel. Um, I'm only going to read a a few scriptures here and a couple of others, and that's us finished. Matthew 7. Matthew 7. And, excuse me, let's read from verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, there's a sermon in that on its own. That doesn't mean to say we don't discern, we don't judge from righteousness and unrighteousness. That's not what that means. In fact, one preacher says, you say, judge not, you be not judged. I say, twist not scripture, lest you be like Satan. I think it was Paul Weiser who said that. And I agree with him. Judge not, you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote that's out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye, thy hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote thy brother's eye. In other words, let me put this just very simply. Before I go to look at you, I must examine myself. Doesn't that does not say we don't point out where things are going wrong and we don't try and deal with it. We don't try and, and, and help the person. And it, it means that we don't look one at another and say, you're lost and you're a sinner and you're, you know, brothers and sisters, we have to go with grace in our hearts and reach one another. Love one another. Turn to John chapter 8, please. John chapter 8, it's a a very well-known portion of scripture, but we'll just skip across it. And you can read these when you go home. John chapter 8. And let's just read from verse 1. Jesus went out onto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he he came again onto the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman is taken in adultery in the very act. And Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him. They may have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote in the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, Were those thine accusers hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. In other words, he's saying, you know, there is a time of not only cleansing, but sanctification. And someone who walks in an open course of sin, someone who continually sins in an open course of sin without regard of the Lord, then we must question Well then, where are you? But he says, here you are, you're clean, you're cleansed. I don't condemn you. Others have no right to condemn you. Now move on and sin no more. Here's your new start and here's your new chance. Brothers and sisters, let's remember that all of us live in glass houses. All of us live in glass houses. Last scripture, Luke chapter 6, please. Luke chapter 6, just a couple of verses to finish. Verse 30 and 31. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. You see when you're looking at that person, that brother, that sister across the other side, your actions may hurt them and that's one of the places they're hurt in church. They don't expect it there and when you're hurt in church it's really hard, it's sore, it's hard to get over or family matter, or friends, but we're speaking in, a, in our assembly church context here. And whenever you look at them, remember, they're a soul, they're a person, they're a human being with different character than you and different ways than you, and they may be different, but we can't all be the same. Thank the Lord we're not all the same. But we're all being made to be conformed into the image of Christ, transformed by the renewing of our mind according to the word of God. And that person needs your help maybe if they're in sin. Or that person needs your comfort if they're in mourning. Or that person needs your, your finance if they haven't got much. Or that person needs what you have at your hand. And it's not about, it's not about here is the fanfare, let's present it to you. It's all about doing it in the love of Christ. A friend or a man that is to have friends, must. He must. Must. It's binding, Christ said. That's the way uh, society is. That's, that's humanity is also. But a man or, uh, that, or a woman that has to, is to have friends must show themselves to be friendly. And can I say this in closing, brothers and sisters? If you have been offended by me, I'm not talking about by the word which I've preached now. I'm talking about by me personally. I apologize to you and I repent of it. I'm not talking about the word now. I'm talking about by me. So I'm sorry. And I'm asking the Lord to give us all the grace, all of us, to go do likewise. Likewise. If it takes washing one another's feet. We could have a night in here and get the basins out. Don't come straight from work though, Sure you won't. Because see where there's unity, it's there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Unity. If you have a loved one who's hurt you, forgive them and go and love them. Believe me. You'll be sorry if you don't. Show them. Tell them. Show them the love of Christ. Show them all the love in your heart. They might throw it back in your face. They might tell you to get lost. whereas it's a friend or whoever, show them it. Show them that Christ loves them in you go and wrap their door, someone's sick, go visit them. Make a point this week to visit one person to make a phone call or two or three or whatever you need to do. To go and say, can I help you? Look around you and see what they need. And of your abundance, give them. See, that's real Christianity. That's being like Christ. That's being like your saviour. And don't expect anything else in return because that's grace. Expect nothing from them. I wonder what he's looking for. He's around here. I'm looking for nothing. I just want to help you. Well, get lost. Okay, but the offer's there. God bless you. We're just here to help you. Love one another. The Apostle John, when he was nearly 100 years of age, He was pastoring the church of Ephesus. And he was so weak he couldn't walk. He's might be over a hundred years of age. He was so weak he couldn't walk. And the crowds thronged around his house to hear him. The anointing this man was carrying. Crowds thronged to hear him. And ancient literature tells us that they used to put him on either a bed or a sedan seat to carry him out. And I don't mean on the shoulders of here I am God. It was to carry him outside for he was too weak. And he used to come out and he was that weak he couldn't preach. And they looked at him and he just said sometimes, love one another. And they used to carry him in. That was his sermon. Now, I know you want me to be like that, but that's just. You know, <laughs> I would be. The Lord's going to have to do a real work of grace there. But he used to just say, Love one another. And it turned their hearts one toward another. It kept the church in unity. And you know what happened? It kept the church in the spirit. You know what? You can talk in tongues till the cows come home, as they say. Or till that barn stinking again, whatever. You can talk in tongues, left, right, and center. And you can, you, you can prophesy. Uh, and you can interpret. And you can bring words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And you can bring it all, brothers and sisters. But see if your life isn't showing love. You're like a tinkling cymbal on a sounding brass. It means nothing. Give me love. The greatest gift of these. Of faith. Love is love. And charity, or charity is love. It's love. The greatest gift is love. The Apostle John became known as the Apostle of Love. So when I say to you, do you love me? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about hearts bursting around you. (laughs) I'm talking about with the love of Christ with the love of Christ. I don't want your heart bursting with love around you no know, the bursting bubbles all around you and saying oh, we love him. Wishy washy momby palmy our pastor used to say ailing studio films, you know, Oh I love you, I love you too. It's nonsense. It's not love. This is love. God so loved the world. He loved you. He loved you, he loved you, Daddy. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever can, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's love. Give yourself to Christ. And when you give your heart to him, there's nothing will be too great. Nothing will be too much. C. T. he stood, gave up all his wealth and said uh, that if Jesus Christ died for me and rose again he says then there's nothing too much for me to do for him and he gave away what would be been the equivalent of now the millions that he had and he went to the mission field I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hands than to be the king of a vast domain or to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. God bless you all. In Jesus' name. Amen.